this is the education show unlocking opportunities in teaching and learning through collaboration proudly brought to you by zabuza.net once again it is the education show i love doing the show and i love the people i talk to and uh, most importantly i value you who are listening to the show and that's why we get such awesome guests Today's guest is a lady by the name of Nikki Robotham, and uh, she's done many, many things. One of them, though, uh, is an incredible book, which uh, we're going to talk about because I highly recommend uh, you get hold of it. Um, it is amazing. It's all about flow and finding flow, but I'm going to introduce Nikki and then let her tell you all about it. How are you doing, Nikki? Great. Thanks so much for having me. It's always, always a pleasure. So before we get into what you're doing now, give us a bit of a backstory on Nikki and uh, who you are. Perfect. Thanks, David. I've been in corporate for about 20 years as a leader in the corporate and financial services space. But really, all of this delivery, constant whackling to get things done within a corporate environment which is only natural um, when it is all about delivery in most of those organizations, really led to an impact on my health that I then found was rooted in my underlying, the underlying state of my nervous system. Um, essentially, my, my nervous system had been locked into a state of freeze, which really is a hyper state of fight or flight, which really then starts to shut down all of your other bodily processes that are non-essential for survival, digestion being one of them. So I ended up with massive health implications around digestion. But I think most importantly, my energy wasn't easeful. I wasn't showing up um, with the right kind of energy. And really, um, it, it was impacting how I was starting to live my life. And I then managed, luckily, to be able to find the right people to be able to heal and was able to heal in under six months, um, a process that normally takes people about two to three years and restore my energy to an incredible resilience um, where it supports my life every single day. That led me, including a lot of people asking me how I've done it, to, to look to share my story, which is why I was called to write the book, Seven Steps to Finding Flow. And that was really what, what sort of nudged me to become an author last year during lockdown and share my story, share the strategies and wisdom behind my seven steps to finding flow and building a life of far more easeful um, resilience, as it were, that's aligned to the life that I want to live. Which I think is brilliant. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you because the book, I think, is fantastic. Um, I've read through it. In fact, we've chatted about the book, you and I, before. Um, and I thought, you know what? Teachers, teachers definitely need this. But this is something that can apply to all of us, uh, whether you're a parent, whether you're a teacher, maybe you're studying somewhere. Um, and that is what is so, so important. Uh, so where would one start, Nikki, in terms of, of is it, is it first acknowledging that stress is a problem? Because, you know, I've, I've often talked and I mentioned this, I'm sure I've mentioned it on this show before, you know, where, where you, you end up being a human doing as opposed to a human being. Um, what is your thoughts on that? Do we, do we first need to realize that we are stressed? Absolutely. Awareness is always the first step in healing and starting to solve a problem within your life. 
So the first place I ask people to start is really owning and understanding the story that you're telling yourself about your stress and asking yourself as to whether or not it's actually really serving you. I think many people have got a, an unconscious story that they tell themselves about their stress. It's something that's been playing on repeat in the background, that they have to be always on, that they're not enough if they're not always being everything to everyone else. Um, and they end up then putting themselves second, creating a life with, with less boundaries potentially in their lives. And that's why exactly to your point, David, the first step is awareness. Really, where are we consciously um, in terms of that story we're telling ourselves about our stress? And then asking ourselves as to whether or not it's really still serving you. It might have served you in the past, but we often just keep going on autopilot and using that same story within our lives, even when it no longer serves us and is starting to impact our health. I essentially had a wake-up call, which lucky enough drove me to the point of understanding and really calling out that story I was telling myself on my stress and very firmly said that this is no longer serving me and I'm not prepared to pay the price on my energy, on my life and my relationships that stress was now causing within my life. And I think that's something that we all have to do is reflect on that in order to move into what I refer to as a flow state, which really, as you say, it's no longer about a state of doing, being busy, it's a state of being, a holistic state of flow, where you can really access the easefulness of your energy, your nervous system, and an energy that really supports you to show up at your best every single day and be able to really support the life that you want to live and the people that you have in it. Which is, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And, and one of the things about stress, and, and just having chatted to uh, some teachers uh, a little while ago, um, they actually don't even realize, they think that this is a state of being, this, this kind of constant state of fight or flight. Now, to get a little bit out there, but we're talking to teachers, so I'm sure they'll, they'll understand the, the science and they'll probably be able to teach me a thing or two. But our nervous system, is, when we're in that fight or flight, everything's revved up. The adrenaline's revved up, the noradrenaline, the whole lot. Um, and that can have a degenerative effect on us, can't it? Absolutely. I love the quote by Hans Silly, which says, it's not stress that kills us, it's our re reaction to it. And you're so right, David, when we even anticipate stress in our lives, a stressor doesn't even have to happen. That really starts to signal into our autonomic nervous system that stress is about to happen. And that stress response starts straight away. As you mentioned, the release of the stress hormones happens. And that's before the stress has even happened. The problem is, is that most of us are living in that state permanently. I know because I'd made my home there. And an A. Vogel study that was done a few years ago um, really showed that ongoing stress puts everything on hold except for immediate survival. And, and that really should you know, lead people to understand what does it feel like to live in a body that is constantly in that fight or flight state? Whereas you mentioned adrenaline, cortisol, everything is flooding your body from that perspective. Glucose is rushing to your, your muscles, signaling that you have to evade danger um, from that perspective. And we do use this when we're showing up at our best. But the problem is, is we can't live there permanently. Too many of us, you know, really look at our energy as a straight upward line during the day that we should be able to be always on. 
Um, and that really has a wearing effect on our resilience and our energy. We don't really tap into that natural energy pattern within our bodies where we move up to deliver at a high level and then come back down even throughout the day to be able to catch our breath, rest and regenerate, and then come back even more, even more sort of, you know, effective within our day-to-day -day from that perspective. Uh, I personally was someone who was living in that red line mode of my, my life. And you've got to imagine it's like running a car on full speed and never servicing it from that perspective. And we just expect our bodies to continue to show up and to continue to serve us. It's not sustainable and it's definitely not showing up at our best. Just to give you an example of, of what happens when you can really allow your nervous system to flow within its natural rhythms between the sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, and the parasympathetic nervous system, your rest and digest state, is when I was able to release my nervous system back into that state of flow, it sounds funny to people, but it's almost like I could anticipate stress coming. I had a bit more of a a stress bubble, if that makes any sense. Stress was no longer happening to me up close and personal, where I was reacting to everything, triggered, and, and really just reactionary. Instead now, with this stress bubble, as I call it, it was like a scene out of Neo in the Matrix movie, where things started to slow down. I could anticipate how things were going to, how people were going to react, and how I wanted to react. I became far more effective and, and my life felt so much more easeful, even dealing with more stress than I had been before, if that makes any sense. I'd effectively taken on four businesses post-healing as opposed to the one that I was managing before healing. And, and I think it's just because we become so much more effective when we're able to tap into that natural energy um, that really supports us. It is the greatest wisdom within our bodies. Which is absolutely true. And the, and the irony is when we are in that stressed out fight or flight mode, um, we, we, we don't see it and we don't see the possibility for change. And as you say, you know, we think we have to be there so we can always be at our best and always alert. And particularly in terms of, of our, our education providers, where they think they've got to continually, continually be revving up there to give the best to their students. If they deal with the stress, they're actually able to interact better with people and with their students. Absolutely. And I think I refer to that state of freeze or a hyper state of fight or flight as being locked into an invisible straitjacket of stress. We really do just become so much more triggered and overwhelmed um, as we normalize that state of stress. We've normalized that state of being always on, always delivering. And I think that's why we always have to take those few moments to step back and I often say to people, just put your hand on your heart and, and just gently say to yourself that your best is good enough. Your best is absolutely good enough. Because I think many of us feel this need to be perfect all of the time and being everything for everyone else. But if we're not everything for ourselves first, it's that whole theory about the oxygen mask on a plane. You've got to take care of your, yourself first. And I think it's the perfect time to, for people to debunk the notion that self-care and self-love is selfish. People really have to take care of themselves first in order to show up and be of the best service um, for those around them. And that's particularly relevant when it comes to a teacher or an educator around how they really support um, their students from that perspective.
Now, your book, Nikki, is, is it's called Seven Steps to Finding Flow, Flip the Script on Stress. Now, what what are those seven steps and, and how would how would we go about starting something? And I mean, this is I'm going to go out on a limb here because I've, I've actually read the book and say, if you are listening to this podcast, get the book because it is filled with amazing tools and things that you can do. But let's just touch on some of the, 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 the seven steps, Nikki. Perfect. The, after you've really come to that awareness and that realization around how stress is serving you or whether or not it's not serving you, your story around your stress, the first step is then to release your nervous system back into a state of flow. And this is all around about improving your vagal tone in your, your vagal nerve and really around releasing your autonomic nervous system back into the state of flow. There's many tools that I mentioned in the book, tension and trauma release exercises are one of them and lots of very accessible exercises that people can do every day to improve their vagal tone and really keep their nervous system resilient to better cope with stress. The second one is to tune back in, to really start listening to your body, your intuition, that's nudging you around everything that you need to be able to show up in the right way. Those little nudges that are telling you to rest are not things that should be ignored, but things that are, are really sort of guiding you to, to support your body to become safer and really continue to let your nervous system know that it's okay to rest. This is what you need right now. The third step is to connect back in, become more grounded, more earthed. I love that concept of getting grounded outdoors, feet in the grass, to really then access the natural carbon and anti-inflammatory properties of becoming connected back into the earth. But also most importantly, once you've started listening to your intuition and your body, it's around starting to trust those intuitive nudges. We really have to connect back into ourselves. As I mentioned, our nervous system is holds some of the, the greatest wisdom within our bodies. We only have to just listen to it and get out of the way. And that's a really key piece around the trust and the connect back in. The fourth step is to lighten the load. And that is really around how do we reduce the load, the toxic load, of everything we put in, on, and around our bodies. Everything in our environment is something that our body absorbs, whether it be through our lungs, through our skin, and that then ends up in our liver to be able to cope with all of that. When you look at the fact that our livers are already then coping with all of these stress hormones that are pumping through our body and really sort of starting to have to be processed in our livers, we're making it even harder when we live a lifestyle that is full of toxins. I had a number of bugs, or parasites, pesticides, and heavy metals within my system. Just to give you context, I'm not really a drinker and I've never smoked. And so when I, I mentioned that I had an overloaded liver, everyone thinks I must be a drinker or I must be a smoker, but it's really not the case from that perspective. Our liver has to cope with everything. And so how do we really become a wing man or a wing woman within our bodies and really help our bodies cope? The fifth step is rest and regenerate, which is all about sleep, making sure that you develop a sleep routine, getting those seven to nine hours sleep a night. And unfortunately, no one is an exception to that rule. Um, this is really a fundamental step to make sure that our bodies are healing and, and supporting us to show up at our best. Step six is a pause for potency around how we create those breaks 
um, and those sort of different moments that bring us back even stronger, stronger, whether or not it is um, micro breaks during the day, just to breathe or clear your head, how you create a full stop at the end of your day to really shut down and stop that continual like always on mode that you've been on during the day. It's essential to have a full stop at the end of the day, using our weekends to also then do something differently. I often find that I solve my greatest problems when I really change track and pivot into doing something else that really sort of stimulates my body and mind differently. I don't even think about the problem that I'm trying to solve, but I often come up with a solution anyway. A pause for potency is one of our greatest methods to be able to come back more resilient. And then obviously step number seven, because I believe that hope is not an action plan, is finding your flow and developing your flow plan. And I've got great templates, downloadable PDF resources as well, where you can create your flow plan, whether or not you're dabbling in the shallow end or diving all into healing. You can create a plan that works for you based on everything that I mentioned in the book. So yeah, that's the seven steps to finding flow, Dave. Wow. Can I, can I tell you something? Let me, let me share a story with you is... Um, I know about most, if not all of this stuff. Um, I've read extensively on a lot of it, and I considered myself very clever because I knew about it. Uh, there's a difference, though, between knowing and doing. And uh, this was one of those cases where I needed to start doing again. So subsequent to having a chat to you for my radio show um, and reading the book, what I've started to do again, which is what I used to do, um, is I've picked up on my, my journaling again, and I'm now also tracking my sleep because I thought I was doing okay um, until I started tracking it and realizing I was getting four, maybe five hours sleep a night, and then still wondering why I felt like um, a sort of dog's breakfast in the morning and couldn't get myself going until I'd managed to fuel up with a cup of, uh, couple of cups of coffee. And I cannot tell you, in, in this short time, the changes that I've been feeling in myself, I'm more alert, um, I have a bit more energy, and uh, I'm able to cope a lot better with, with the ups and downs, because at one stage, it felt to me like there were more downs than ups. Um, so those are a couple of things. Just from, from reading your book, meditation uh, is another one. I haven't been as successful getting back into that as I would like to be, but I do try a little bit every day. I'm a big fan of this, um, these sort of micro increases of, you know, if you can increase by 1% or improve by 1% per day, uh, then uh, long-term you're going to be doing okay. So let's start and, and just go back there then, Nikki, in terms of practical stuff that that we can do um i know you're a fan of of journaling talk to me about what the process of journaling is because i do something called the morning pages where um i wake up in the morning and you know get up get myself uh, my cup of coffee i haven't managed to give up coffee yet uh and then i just kind of free flow free flow writing for like a page two pages three pages whatever the case may be what do you think on that so David, journaling is something I'd absolutely recommend for people. And I think that's a great way to start where you really just take a blank page and then really start to process how you're feeling and what you want to achieve for the day. Something that I didn't mention at the start is I did start a business in 2018 called Inspired Change, which is a journal business. That's how much I do believe 
in stepping out of the digital swirl and the digital distractions that we have on a phone or on our laptops and moving back into that old-fashioned analog paper and pen. And really it is around, even if you start the day with, what are three things I'm grateful for? Um, but my Inspired Change Journal really is all about practice that I was doing for a long time before I created the journal. And that is exactly, as you mentioned before, what are those small 1% changes we can make every single day to really take us closer towards our goals and our dreams, creating our version of balance in our lives. It doesn't have to be extreme or massive change. It's those single steps daily. And I often say to people, it's about breaking down your day into what are the three most important things you want to achieve today? But then break it down even further. What's the next most important thing you need to do? So I really love that as a process for if you're going after a goal or trying to get something done. But very often where we just need a little bit more emotional support around our stress, that free-flowing writing around how you're feeling, or tuning back into just gratitude is incredibly powerful. If we start even with three things in the morning that we're grateful for, and that can be that I got my seven to nine hours sleep last night. It doesn't have to be anything massive. And even doing that before you go to bed at night really just, you know, helps get us present, helps get us grounded. Um, and I think that is such an essential tool right now, especially given what we're all dealing with at the moment, with the uncertainty as we navigate 2021 off the back of 2020. So journaling for me is such an essential tool. But one of the things you mentioned earlier as well, David, is that we have to do the things in order for them to have an impact on our lives. A lot of people know these things, but it's around how you create that intentionality to incorporate one new thing per day. And that's why if you've got a blank journal, I would just write down what are the things you want to go after, but you don't have to do them all at once. Just break them down. What's the next most important thing you need to do? And find your own version of balance within your life. It does flow after all. changes every single day. This is the thing, you know, is, is to, to develop, and uh, you mentioned this, that resilience to, to go with the flow. I remember, um, I'm paraphrasing this, a quote from uh, the great martial artist Bruce Lee, um, when he talks about being like water. He says, water can bend and crash, but uh, water can also flow and ebb and sway. So be like water. Um, and, and that's kind of one of those things that for me, I have a bit of a martial arts background meant a lot because that, that is, that is getting to that, that flow state where, um, you don't feel like the world is hitting you in the face at a hundred Ks an hour all the time. Um, one of the other things that I've, I've done as well, um, and you know, you mentioned this briefly as well is at night before, um, I actually go to sleep. I, I look back on my day and I look at my wins for the day, however small they may be. You know, um, I, I'm a person that really battles to get stuff organized and I squirrel off in a hundred different directions. And the fact that I do these shows and radio and I'm involved in front of my computer most of the time, I can squirrel like the best of them. Um, I just bounce around all over the place. So for me to try and get myself into a more productive frame of mind at night, I just say, okay, yeah, look, this you did that today and you did it well, well done, pat on the back. Is that something you encourage? Absolutely. It, it closes off your day. And I think it also just really reminds you that you actually did get a lot done today. 
we too often focus on what we didn't get done, but that should be on tomorrow's to-do list. Um, I often say to people, and obviously this is unless you're a heart surgeon, no one's going to die if you don't get to it today. Tomorrow is good enough as well. Uh, unfortunately, if you are a heart surgeon, it's a different story altogether, and that's a different conversation. But really putting those thoughts down, reminding yourself of how much you did achieve and celebrating that rather than what we didn't do today. Just put those items on tomorrow's to-do list. Write them down, get them out of, out of your brain. And it helps quieten your brain by doing that because it kind of knows that, right, it's already there. It's, it's going to be taken care of to tomorrow. So let's not stress about it. We can't change anything else right now. But I think you're so right around this ability to create this, this fluidity to flow during our days. Too often I see people showing up with an energy that looks like a tightly clenched fist, fragile and, and really just tightly wound. Whereas we really want to have that, that energy and resilience of a gently unfurling hand. You can cope so much easier with things that come at you. Step to the side and let that leaky energy um, really just go past you, really understanding that it's not meant for you. But when we show up in that sort of very fragile state that's tightly wound, we tend to take everything on. We take it personally. We get triggered by everything. Um, and one of the things I've really realized is that then rubs off on everyone else around us. And we need to figure out how we can really almost be the frequency holder within our days and our lives to really create that, that centered groundedness that helps us show up at our best, but also allows other people to do the same. I think that's so important, what you've just touched on there, because if I'm thinking in terms of the education space, um, and I've noticed this, the more wound up and uptight I am, the more reactive I become, uh, the more I go back into this fight or flight, so the more likely I'm, I am to attack things, um, and it, it causes, it's almost like this domino effect because then the people I'm interacting with, they get wound up. They might also be wound up. They come back at me and so starts this the spiral. And you you get to the end of your day and you think to yourself, I am absolutely exhausted. But you don't take responsibility for your own interactions there, uh, which I also I, I feel is, is, is very, very important. Now, as we talk about your, your taking responsibility and that, you mentioned something about getting outside, getting into nature, um, walking and, and having that grounding contact with the earth. Um, that you could almost say for some people may be a form of meditation because I know if you say to somebody, have you tried meditating? Oh, no, I could never do that. Sit and legs crossed for two hours. But it's not always about that, is it? It's absolutely not always about that. There are so many forms that give you the benefits of meditation. And one of them that I love is what I refer to as my walking meditations. I literally go for a long walk outdoors. Sometimes it's with a friend. But we just, you take that time to slow down, connect back in, marvel at nature, the birds that are flying around, how the sun is hitting the leaves. And really, you just start to become present in the moment. I often become aware of how my feet um, are hitting the ground. What's the sound they make as the gravel is crunching underneath them? Something as small as, as that can really just help you connect back in to the extent that it's something I incorporate in every weekend. Um, Saturday morning gets started off with a walk outdoors. And yes, then I follow it up with a catch-up and a, and a coffee afterwards. But that's really around creating connection and it's different. But to that point, 
even if you go and sit in your garden, that really just helps you create that meditative moment where you start to just quiet your brain and really give yourself a little bit of space without having to become a full-blown Zen master. So I always say to people, do what's comfortable for you. And it's amazing how as you make those small changes, all of a sudden you become open to maybe doing something more that will create that space for you. So a moving meditation or a walking meditation outdoors, fully endorse. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, one of the things that I've found that, that, that also works for me is I, I love going for walks, and we actually used to do that um, just about every day because um, I'm fortunate enough to um, stay on, a, on a, a, a plot that has got a lot of open space, so we take the dogs out for a walk, uh, and we'd stop doing that. And the weird thing is you don't realize the benefits of it while you're doing it, but uh, – after chatting to you before, I was sitting thinking, I'm like, but hang on, we just let that fall by the wayside. And just that walk is, is so amazing. The other thing, Nikki, because um, we are reaching the end of our time together that we discussed, there's two more things I want to touch on. And then um, I want to give some information out about uh, how people can get in touch with you is this concept of connection. Before we started um, this, this actual um, call, I was on a telephone call. And uh, I, I'd still message you to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to be a few minutes late because this person just won't stop talking. And you mentioned this, this concept of connection. You were like, yeah, but maybe they just needed that connection. You gave them a gap. Maybe they needed to just connect. In terms of teachers, how important is that to connect and to turn around and go, okay, listen, guys, maybe, you know, I'm not doing so well today. Um, can we chat about it? Is that important? It's essential. And I'm seeing this everywhere at the moment, where I think, you know, in 2021, there's a lot of people who think we should have this all figured out by now and have, should be in a new routine where we can just get down to business and get on with it. But I think the relentlessness, the grueling nature of that almost Groundhog Day type monotony of lockdown, third wave, et cetera, and especially for teachers with the uncertainty um, and the, the sort of the punches that the teachers have to roll with every day, I think it's essential because what I see people doing is they just move into almost like an automatic robotic way of just doing and getting on with the job because that's what we know we can do to cope. But I think we have to remember to bring that empathy back that we had a lot more of last year as we were all trying to, to cope with, you know, this, this global pandemic together. And connection is one of the key ways for us to, to really sort of, you know, bring that empathy back in, remind ourselves that we're human and we thrive off connection. It's essential um, for us to actually thrive as humans. And I find that a lot of people have gone back to that busyness of just doing and getting things done, that they don't often take those few moments to just listen and connect back in. Um, I've started doing more calls with people where we just effectively get back to shooting the breeze on a video chat, the kind of thing we used to do when we'd be sitting having a cup of coffee or walking past each other in a building. I think we've, we're, we're losing some of that right now as we all really just kind of go, oh, you know, this is, this is all we're dealing with right now. So I think if we can create those moments of connection for others, be empathetic when other people are needing them, and, and really just take that time to remind ourselves of being human in the moment. I think we'll see such dividends as we create space for ourselves and others there. 
Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. Making those connections and just talking about stuff um, and, and, and not making out as though you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. The other thing that I wanted to, to, to chat about, um, when we chatted previously, and, and you've got it on your website, um, and I used to do it again, and I, I just needed to get reminded of it, was the use of essential oils to help change your state and your mood. Uh, and I always, I mean, I used to put a drop or two um, on the uh, uh, on my pillow at night uh, of lavender oil just to help me kind of chill out and everything. And then for a very long time in the office, we had one of these uh, – almost like this humidifier thing. And we used to put essential oils into that. And it was tea tree and lavender, which was antiseptic and uplifting. And all of that just also, you know, we get stressed, falls by the wayside. You're a big proponent of these essential oils. Speak to me about that and, and the benefit of that. Absolutely. I, I think that they're essential. And I love that practice of a drop or two of lavender oil on your pillow at night. My 76-year-old father was struggling to sleep throughout the night and he used to have to take medication in order to fall asleep. And I asked him to just humor me and take a bottle of lavender and use it. And three weeks later, I got a request for another bottle um, and he was able to start sleeping throughout the night and now has a diffuser next to his bed. It really just, because they're all natural and, and I'm a proponent of the all natural, 100% pure essential oils, because obviously we want the best to be able to support our bodies the best. Um, they really can create a state change within our bodies. You think about it, if you inhale an essential oil, whether it be from a drop in your palm um, or through a diffuser in, the, in your environment, it can hit the limbic center of your brain within under 20 seconds. And that really starts to create a state change within your body. So I love the idea of a diffuser somewhere in the home. I have one in my bedroom, creates that kind of, start of my sleep routine where I put a drop or two of lavender in there and it really just signals that to my body that it's time to rest and really sort of relax from that perspective. I even use a drop or two of eucalyptus in the shower, really creates a great little sort of spa environment when you just dot it around when the shower is warming up. All of these things just support us in a natural way that still lightens the load on our livers, but it also just creates that environment that supports us even more from that perspective. So lavender is one of my favorite for people who are feeling stressed and overwhelmed. You can just put a drop or two in your palms, rub them together and turn yourself into a human diffuser as you inhale out of your palms. Something you can do very quickly on the fly. I often have them in my car and so I can use them in a roller bottle when, when someone's getting stressed out in traffic. I just turn up the music, put on some essential oil and let their stress go straight past me. Wonderful stuff. Nikki, now the $20 million question. The book uh, is available in our, all good bookstores, I'm assuming. Seven Steps to Finding Flow. Flip the script on stress. Uh, we can get it on your, on your website as well, can't we? Absolutely. You can get an autographed copy on my website, which is nikkirobotham.com. It's also available, available on Amazon, both as a paperback and a Kindle. And some exciting news that it's actually launching as an audiobook on all good audiobook platforms in the next two weeks. So I'm really excited to bring this to, to those people who love a good audiobook as well. Fantastic stuff. Did you narrate the book yourself? Um, unfortunately, not. Um, oh. I have. <laughs> 
Um, so there is a bit of an American accent in it from that perspective. Um, but I've got a great individual, Cara Jackman, who's narrated it for me. Um, and it'll be launching shortly. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of audiobooks. Uh, it kind of, they, they sort of keep me sane in traffic. That's, uh, that's the bit I use. Uh, Nikki, in terms of what we're doing now, this is the education show. We're focusing a little bit on teachers. If a school, for example, and I might be putting you on the spot here, um, but if a school or, or, or something like that says, hey, we need to do something for our teachers, can they reach out to you? Or can teachers just drop your line and go, hi, hello? Absolutely. I'm, I'm smiling because I actually reached out to the principal of my alma mater, my high school that I went to, Russell Untied, and he found the book incredibly beneficial. It was also a bit of a moment because he was my English teacher when I was back at high school, and he actually shared it at the prize giving um, earlier this year. And so for me, education for me is one of the most essential services. It's the biggest gift we can give people. And so for me, serving teachers, the education community is absolutely something I'm open to. Um, I am booking Finding Flow consults where I can help people come up with their own flow plan. But I also do talks where I can really share this thinking, talk to people around how they can create boundaries and pattern interrupts to be able to support them to find their flow in their everyday. So absolutely, they can find all of those details on my website, nikkirobotham.com. Fantastic stuff. And that uh, wraps it up. Nikki Robotham is spelt N-I-C-K-Y-R-O-W-B-O-T-H-A-M.com. So you can get hold of Nikki there and uh, she'll be more than uh, happy to have a chat to you. Nikki, thank you. It's been wonderful. And I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, talking to you again sometime in the not too distant future. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure. There we go. Wraps it up for this uh, edition of the Education Show. Go check out the book. Uh, get, reach out to Nikki. I promise you it's life-changing uh, and you won't be sorry. To each and every one of you, look after yourselves. Take care and thank you for listening. That was the Education Show. Simply learn. Join the conversation on zibuza.net. That's Z-I-B-U-Z-A dot net.